Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome to the podcast, the Working Class Bowhunter podcast, that is. Hopefully, we're helping you get through your work week. And man, right now, there's just a whole lot of archery going on. Um, For us, we're not too into fishing, not terribly into bow fishing, haven't done that in a while, but not a ton going on, but archery stuff. Um, our new elites are in. That's pretty cool. Uh, we're all shooting the Cure. Steve shooting the Ember, and we're pretty jacked up about that. Um, so we're excited to like get into the archery thing again. And speaking of the whole archery thing, um, huge thank you and huge shout out to Galesburg Archery Club for last weekend at the shoot. Uh, an amazing turnout, um, especially when you factor in the whole COVID bullshit. The rainy weather and Father's Day, we had 143 registered shooters, which is amazing. And then we had people that came just to hang out and, and have a good time, um, gave away a lot of prizes. So huge thank you to all the companies and teams and people that um, gave product and different prizes to give away to the shooters. That was really awesome. But really, you know, I was really worried about the rain the night before we were setting up the course and it was just pouring rain on us. So we were really nervous about that. But it, it was such a great turnout. Um, nothing negative at all happened. Everyone was in good spirits. Everyone loved the course. Everyone just had a good time. It's exactly what you want out of a, out of friends and family and an archery shoot. It was awesome. And then I had like a little after party with, with the, what I consider the working class family. And we did a crawfish boil shout out to Danielle and her husband for, man, they make some mean crawfish, never done that before. So it was cool, man. So if you missed the shoot this year, we hope to see you next year. Uh, we're already talking about next year's shoot at the same club, same area, same course. We're gonna we're gonna mix it up a little bit, make it different. So um, we, if you didn't make it, please come next year and hang out with us. We're gonna try and go for a non-holiday um, weekend, and we're gonna. I mean, you know what I mean. It's hard, it's hard to find that perfect weekend that works for everybody, but we're gonna we're gonna do that. We're talking about making it two days. Um, so let us know. Is two days too much, or is one day good? You just want to come in, hang out for a day, and. And go do other stuff. I don't know. Let us know what you think. Um, and if you did go and you have pictures of it, send it to us. We uh, 
we like to get, collect all the pictures from every year. So that was really cool. So huge shout out to everyone that supported us for that. Um, it was just a positive, positive vibe weekend. Made us feel really good about what we do and the people that we're surrounded by, uh, just in this whole outdoor community. Um, the podcast is presented by HHA Sports. Um, we have a code for them. It's WCB15. Um, Steve and myself are shooting the Tetra this year. Doug and Eric are shooting the Tetra Max. Uh, the main difference between those, all HHA products, by the way, have lifetime warranty. Um, so if you bust it, break it, whatever, you can you can get your get a new one. Um, and it's all made from basically Midwest materials, American-made, the supporter of veterans. Um, so the, the difference between the Tetra and the Tetra Max, the main difference is you can switch out your yardage wheels with the Tetra Max. So if you're a guy that has this one arrow setup that you stick with and you're good, the Tetra is the site for you. If you like to mess around and do different things and don't really feel like you know putting a new sight tape on each time, um, maybe the Tetra Max is the one for you. You can have as many yardage wheels as you want. It's just a set screw, pop it off, pop a new one on. <clears throat> it's pretty awesome. So hhasports.com, code WCB15. Also, the podcast is brought to you by Scent Crusher. Um, man, Scent Crusher plays into so many different aspects of our hunting game and camping game and even just household uh, situations with the room clean. Um, if like my family does cloth diapers and we have a cat, so we double down and use the room clean for that. The ozone go and your truck every other day, every day. Um, you know, it's, it all works out, especially at camping. Like last weekend, everyone had tents and just wet clothes and stuff from the rain. And you get that moldy mildewy wet smell in your car. You can run that ozone go and it fixes it. So, um, check out scent crusher. Tell them we sent you. Um, also thermoseat, um, Thermoseat has its spot in spring hunting and fall hunting with the tree stand seats or in the spring, you know, you have like the wedges that the self-supported seats. So if you're turkey hunting and you're doing the whole run and gun thing for turkeys, you can pop it up in the middle of the woods and sit down comfortably off the ground. You're dry. It's awesome. Um, also victory archery this year. We, we all shot the rip TKO last year. I think I'm going to shoot it again this year. I'm very, very happy with that arrow. Um, really, no complaints at all. I think victory just makes a good arrow all around. Um, so I'm going to rock the TKO, the RIP TKO again. Uh, so check them out, Victory Archery. Tell them we sent you. Um, they have something for everyone. They really do. Uh, Gator Outdoors, uh, lifestyle brand. If you don't follow Gator, I highly recommend doing it. They're very... They kind of give you that warm, like fuzzy feeling in the outdoor space. They're very like family oriented, very friend oriented. Um, and go go to GatorOutdoors.com. You can buy all your favorite brands there. Um, and they have some great clothing themselves. Uh, their merch is kind of like what makes them stand out alone. Like they have awesome t-shirts, a lot of true timber camo pattern shirts. Um, so check them out. Gator Outdoors, um, Elite Archery. So this is cool. We got our got our cures in, and I got graphite gray. Doug got. Cobalt Flame, Eric went with Realtree Extra, and Steve went with Realtree Extra. We have a new code for all outdoor group companies, even companies we're not directly like, you know, I'm doing that little finger quote thing, sponsored by. Um, but we have a new code, WCB. It's simple, WCB. So if you're wanting to get a new elite or get your wife an elite or your kid or whatever, this is just something I plugged and I was playing with the code. The Elite Ember. With the code WCB is $400 out the door, brand new. That is badass. I don't know if you can beat that price with a bow like that. It's adjustable, I think, from 10. Oh, hold on. I think uh, 
Oh, no, I don't have it with me here. I thought I had it in the studio. 10 to 60 pounds. That's insane. Um, the Cure, fully, basically fully tunable from your backyard while you're shooting if you have an Allen wrench. Um, it's badass. It, it's, they're changing the game, and they're giving different styles of archers, different size of archers. different. Ar- they're meeting your needs as an archer. Um, I'm not saying they're the best out there. There's a lot of great bows. But if you've ever thought about shooting an Elite, Give it a run. You might really like it. I don't know. I'm not. Gonna, I'm not here to tell you what to do. But man, I do like my elites. So there's something there. Big time. They title sponsored the shoot. Huge. Th- I think everyone left with a bag of big time seed. Uh, we loaded down our good buddy Shad. Well, Joe loaded Shad's truck down full of big time food plot seed. Um, from last stand to buck brunch and. Everyone, when they first got to the shoot, like, hey, thanks for coming. Thanks for registering. Grab some big time. T- take care of your deer herd. And they're like, what? How much are they? I'm like, oh, they're free. You're here. You're registered. Take a couple bags. And people are like, really? Oh, shit. Okay. So it was really cool to, like, to kind of get that seed out there and let them get it get it home, plant it, and see what big time's all about. And you can now buy big time at Cabela's and Bass Pro, which is a big, big deal. For an awesome company, a good company with good people behind it. We're very proud to work with them. Uh, Joe Umphreys is our guy at Big Time. I mean, they're all our people at Big Time, right? But Joe's our main contact, and I consider him a really good friend, awesome dude. And I think he, I'm not going to, he would never say this, but you can tell with how Joe is, he's so down to earth and so cool and relaxed, and he takes care, care of people and likes to, he just knows how to get the product out there, get the name out there, and do it in an organic, comfortable way. I think he's a, a huge factor in big-time success, especially over the last year, man. They've just exploded. Um, Old Barn Taxidermy. Love, love that group of people. Um, Sam Gaylord, the owner of Old Barn, is probably one of my favorite people on the planet. Um, and, you know, we always talk about, like, we have good relationships with our sponsors, and we do, and that helps. You know, I can talk about it. As a customer, as someone who believes in what they're doing, um, I definitely think if you can get an animal to Old Barn Taxidermy, do it. And we have a podcast coming up probably next week with Old Barn Taxidermy, so that's really cool. Um, a, a real fun episode. They were in studio with Johnny Utah, and we kind of talk about the business and taxidermy and uh, bear wieners and all sorts of stuff. It, you know, anything can happen. Um, Hunter's Blend Coffee and Can Cooker. Thank you, guys. All our awesome sponsors. And thank you for listening. Um, but yeah, man, it was awesome. We have, so this, this podcast, I'm kind of by myself drinking a bush light for the record. And I'm, and I, I realize I'm rambling, but the business has to get done. Um, but this podcast was a road trip podcast on our way to Wyoming bear camp and Clint Casper, Austin Chandler, Ross bigger and myself were all riding in Ross's Duramax on the way out. And I was like, all right, let's, let's do a podcast. So we did a couple of road trip podcasts. I have another one that. I'm going to launch it. I got to re-listen to it. It's one of those. Like in podcasting, sometimes you just go and go. And if you don't launch it right away, you kind of forget what you talked about. I know I know, I went on some rants. So I'll probably launch it as a bonus episode. Um, I watched some outdoor shows that I've ranted on <laughs> in the past. And I was just kind of like, man, I got, some, I got some things to say. So I went on a rant and everybody looked at me like I was an idiot. Uh, but I'll probably launch that as a bonus episode or maybe between this episode and the old barn one. I don't know. I'm not sure what I want to do, but it, I got to listen to it. It'll be fun. But yeah, this is a road trip one. We talked all whitetails, um, from antlers, what your per, what your perfect whitetail is, what your dream whitetail is, just a 
anything and everything whitetails. This is what I would just call a legitimate road trip hunting podcast, just as real as it gets, um, not knowing what we're going to talk about and just letting it fly. I'm Chase Rolson with Rubline Marketing. This is Jeff Lindsay. This is Michael Pitt. Hey, everybody. It's John Dudley from Knock On TV. Hey, guys. This is Jared Scheffler from Whitetail Adrenaline. Hi, I'm Taylor Drury from Drury Outdoors. Hey, this is Nick Munt from Bone Collector. Hey, this is Melissa Buckman. Working Class Bow Hunter. Working Class Bow Hunter. Working Class Bow Hunter Podcast. Working Class Bow Hunter Podcast. Working Class Bow Hunter. Working Class Bow Hunter. Working Class Bow Hunter. You're listening to the Working Class Bow Hunter. That's right. This is a podcast for Billy Joe Lunchbucket, the working man, just like me and you. My name's Travis T. Bone Turner from the Bone Collector. Thank you for tuning in. Nobody pushes the envelope like Working Class Bow Hunter. Hey, this is Jules McQueen, and you are listening to the Working Class Bowhunter Podcast. It's really, really not that good. Good, 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 in the road trip series on the way to Wyoming Bear Camp. Um, just so everybody knows, we are driving through Des Moines, Iowa right now, so we're fairly early in our trip. We just passed the Lumberyard Strip Club. If you're from the Midwest area, you might enjoy a nice uh, gentleman's afternoon there. Um, if you've ever been to Iowa Classic with us, you know that's a tradition of ours. <laughs> Welcome to the Road Trip Podcast. We have uh, Ross Bigger, the pilot, up front. Right on. We got Austin Chandler, co-pilot. What's up, guys? We got the maniac Clint Casper back here. Gang, gang. And then we got myself, and we are cruising along, man. Stopped at the rest stop, got the podcast gear set up in the in the truck, and uh, we're going for it. So if there's some road noise, you know, it's legit. We're riding. So what's up, fellas? Not much, man. Not much. We're stuck together for the next uh, 15 hours or so. Yep. Actually, like seven days, eight days. Yeah, yeah and that, yeah. yeah. And that, yeah. For sure. Um I figured, you know, we're going to do plenty of bear camp podcasts when we get in camp. So the, the the order that these road trip podcasts fall in might not be in the order that the bear camp episodes will be released in. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, we have – we're all passionate about whitetails. Like, that's our number one. So I figured what we do is just record some of our road trip talk about whatever we talk about. Um, I'd like to talk whitetails with you guys just to kick off the road trip and uh, – and kind of go from there. That's cool. Yeah. We, sounds uh, good to me. Sounds real good. Um, yeah, sorry about the road noise. We're in a big truck with big tires and hauling the podcast trailer. So it's just, it just is what it is. So hopefully we have good enough conversation where we can work past that. Uh, this is the earliest podcast we've ever in the day we've ever recorded with Clint Casper, and we're all sober. That's yeah, true. <laughs> yeah. Good for us. I <laughs> won't have to take a piss here in about mm, the next 35, 40 minutes because I don't have five bush lights in me already. So it's rather odd doing this right now. Right. It does fine. feel strange. I'll try to work through it. It's sad, actually. It's very sad. It's almost like stage fright. A little bit, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It is. I almost feel like I don't know what I'm doing. We were talking earlier, uh, like five minutes into our road trip, like right when we got everything going, about big six-pointers and yeah. how a, a big six-pointer is kind of like it's almost like for the everybody wants a big six, everybody wants a big eight, everybody wants like a big ten, you know? Mm-hmm. Yep. Big sixes are way more rare 
than like what a big eight is. Big, big, big eights are rare, but like I'm the only one in the truck who hasn't killed what, what I would consider a giant six. Um, you were talking about your buck, which was how big? Your big six pointer, Clint. He's like right around 130. That's a giant six pointer. And then Austin, you got one that. Yep, Ross and I were hunting together. I think it was 2017, and uh, yep. got a chance to stick a good one. He, I think he was 118 or 119. He didn't have his mass was real uh, small. He was small in his mass, but just a cool shape to his main beams, and then tall like 10 or 11 inch twos, and yeah. just a really cool looking deer. Big old meaty neck on him. Yeah, yeah. See that a lot of people that are like one 120, 130. That's not that big. Well, you got to remember, you know what? What do you got for beams? You yeah. got four mass measurements. You got your G1s, your brow tines. Yep. You got G2s, and that's it. Yep. And so he, inside spread. He was kind of short on his on his brow tines, so that didn't give it, do him any favors either. But just yeah. more just the shape of that deer's rack. He was just a pretty wild-looking deer. He was cool looking. I was looking at him. He was right under the tree, and I looked down at Ross, and I'm like, what do you think? He's like, I'd already killed that deer three times by now. <laughs> <laughs> I did send that on camera. Well, it's a buck that right away might not look so appealing but when you break it down you're like man that's a big six think about it points it's like i already said but i just need to i kind of want to hit that a little bit like you got brow times and g2s that's all you got for point measurements yep yep you don't got you don't have g4s (laughs) you know like you're not gonna get I mean, what's the biggest six-pointer that, that you guys know of? 155, I think, is the yeah. number one six. Oh, that's a monster. That's a monster, mm-hmm. yeah. And that was net. Net. Yeah. That's so official. That score. thing's got to have massive brows, massive twos, oh, yeah. mass out the yeah, kills, yeah. and inside spread. And it was super wide. Yeah, like mine's almost 24, and that's what, that's big. That's what gave me a lot was main beams and mass because mine's not, like, what, what, gigantically tall. What were the beams on it? Do you remember? 23 and 24. See, that's, yeah, that's those are good. those are big beams, but that's not. I mean, I would almost think. I mean, that buck that did one fifty five, it has to have twenty seven beams. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know? yeah. I had big brows. I had seven, almost eight on the one. I think almost nine on the other. Nice. So like yeah. that was you know, and then G twos are pretty solid and whatnot. But yeah, I mean, all right, I'm reaching out to listeners. If you send us, uh, you know, private message us or email, whatever you're gonna do, send us. If you know someone who's killed a big six in the score, just because I want to see. Mm-hmm. And what I might do in the comments when this episode releases, I might take all those photos and post them in the comments mm-hmm. um, and be like, hey, you know, these are listener submissions. That'd be pretty yeah, cool. Big, six. you know, big sixes are fun to look at. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, mean, I mean, big eights are cool. Big sixes are even cooler because you just don't see as much. And So what would you consider, everybody in here, I'm asking the question, what would you consider a monster six like what at what point does it become like i'm gonna shoot that six pointer well i tell you right now i shot mine i had pictures of mine like uh pictures and sheds for several years two or three years and uh actually when i was hunting showtime the big unicorn buck um i was moving in gonna hang a set and just hanging bang it out uh working in on that deer and what i thought was his bedding area and I heard a bunch of grunting and running around, and this six-pointer I ended up killing the next year just about ran me over. Like, I tucked behind a tree, and he come flying. I mean, he was three, four feet away from me when he come by <laughs> and just grunting his brains out. And I thought, man, one of these days, he gets a little bit bigger. I think he's worth shooting. Well, I got pictures of him, and sure enough, I'm, he, it's, it's like uh, you could just look at him and know, hey, whoa, that's a big, he's a big six. He's tall. He's, right. he's you could just tell. But Yeah, I, I 
I think one hundred and fifteen inches is that the turning point of, that's of a giant. big six? I mean, yep, yep, that's a big boy right there. Big coos deer. It's a big coos deer. deer. <laughs> big old six point coos deer. <laughs> it, I mean, go to let's let's ju- I mean let's just do this. I kind of join this like breakdown of different racks. Like, okay, you get to let's go to an eight pointer. I, I mean, we talked about the big eights a lot. Mm-hmm. Those are everybody likes a big, clean eight, beautiful eight yeah, pointer. You start, yeah. you start getting into the solid forties and, oh, yeah. and eights. Those are very interesting deer to look at when they start getting into the one forty, one forty five range. And they carry their frame like they're one yeah. sixties. Yep. You I mean, know, I've seen some one thirty eights that look yeah. one fifty just because yeah. the, they're so framing. I got yeah. a couple of eights. I got an eight that nets one thirty six that I killed with my bow at six yards and. I remember when I shot him. Oh, who's who's that's my uh, one of my best friends, Adam Chaddock. He killed that buck on our home farm this year. It goes one. It goes one nineteen as a as a six, Mm -hmm. straight six. That's a beautiful buck. Oh yeah, pretty buck. Clint showing cell picks, but yeah, you see. I mean, I had that buck. The net's one thirty six. When I shot him, I thought you know high forties for sure. I'm a beautiful buck. He's one of my favorite deer. Actually, he's real cool buck. uh, Good brows, good eight. You know, good beams, and he's got two kickers that on each brow that. Are like mid center center tine on the brows that shoot off the back. Cool, nice. It's, it's pretty neat. Um, I like that term, Clint. Framey. Yep. Yeah, framey's <laughs> a good term. I'm big eights. I, I I'm the dude who kills big eights that have big frames, and I'm I don't complain. You know. Yep. Yeah, I wouldn't complain about that either. No. It's, I, just, I love that deer you got on the wall. He's got. I can't remember if it's off his two or his three, but he's got the point that comes like straight ninety degree off of his tine. Yeah, he's, yeah. He's wild looking. That buck's a hundred fifty seven inch eight pointer um, but yeah off his left three he's got like a six inch kicker that doesn't split off it it's just straight out parallel to the ground straight off the front of his g3 yeah, he's he's a monster that's a big eight so i was i was stoked on that one that was a man that was a old i did a, that was a hang and bang in 2012 i packed in like an alpha alpha hang on and going in i went in, in the dark hung that stand in the morning and there was a barbed wire fence. Yeah, I had permission on both sides of the fence. It's just a fence in the center and crawling over. I think I threw my stand underneath the fence and everything, my bow, and I jumped over the fence and caught my finger on a chunk of barbed wire and shredded the end of my finger up on that galvanized. And that's a son of a bitch. It gets all swollen. So I was bleeding like a son of a gun in the stand that morning when I shot that shot that deer. A little but, tetanus to start the day. Yeah, my, you know that's pretty cool. Yeah, kind of neat though. But yeah, that's one of my favorite eights. And, and creepy. Well, I'll have that mountain back by the time uh, from Old Barn. By the time we get back from this trip, at him and my ten pointer from this year. That'd so. be nice. Creepy, creepy's looking sweet, man. I'm, I'm pumped to put him in the. Put him with my other two big eights. Yeah, he's gonna he's gonna make a hell of a display. That deer is not really comparable to anything else that I've seen. Just the yeah formation of his main beam the way he's got that twist and his beam is just pretty wild and his, his hide is so strange man he's got like black tipped hair yeah and it's an abnormally white face it's yep. like the contrast of his face is just so strange yeah it's gonna look good on the wall man it's gonna be a really really cool piece yeah for sure i'm excited about that how big you have a couple monster eights austin yeah um the same year I shot my first double drop, I, I shot a deer that I called the Bluff 10, like, uh, I don't know what it was, a week or 10 days after that. And he's a, technically a 9, but his 4 on the one side is like an inch and a half long. Yeah. And he went 158 official. Uh, that was my guy that scores for Buckmaster, scored him. He was right at 158, gross green. 
Um, so he's basically 155, 156-inch eight-pointer. He was a nice big frame eight. I think he was 21 wide, five-inch bases, like seven or eight-inch brows, had nice brows. Is that the buck that I always obsess over with, with the tall twos? That. No, that was uh, that was one I killed in 09. That that deer with the tall twos, he had a 14-inch two on the one side. Um, 14. Yeah, right at 14. He was narrow, but... Uh, he was right at, I grossed him at 155, and I think you scored him at like 153. Oh, yeah. You, Ross, do you need help driving? You good? Yeah, I was just checking to see if we need to take that exit. Oh, are we good? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Let me see. Let me I'd do. have to cross five lanes of traffic to get there. Just keep going west. You'll be fine. Sorry, Austin. I spaced out on you because no. I was wanting to know what he was talking yeah, about. Yeah, I was looking at you and not looking at the road. We're going south right now. But Yeah, he was he see. was a good one, too. That's couple a uh, couple of bucks of mine couple of eights that were in the mid 50s and then i got a couple well several right around 150 like my unicorn buck was 153 um, oh yeah we got to turn around ross okay um here there's that you got 1.2 miles you got to turn around here you go awesome this is real cool. time right now yeah that buck i I obsess over that deer. I don't know why that one out of... I mean, there's a ton of great deer in your collection, Austin, but that's the one that catches yeah. my eye. Yeah, he's one of my favorites. He looks really cool. That and actually, that deer that I shot this year, um, my first big buck, he's technically an eight-point mainframe. He's got a couple inside tines on the left side, but he's yeah. technically an eight-point mainframe, but he's got 22 or 3 inches of junk. He was... 170, 170, or 171. That's a stud, man. I think this is your exit up here, Ross. Right on. Yep. Um, what, how, you got any big eights, Clint, like that pop out at you? Or? Um, my might be my, let's see. Yeah, it'd be my second gross booner. He's a mainframe eight. No kidding. Um, he, had, he went 174 with six inches of his main beam busted off, but his one beam was 25. The other one would have been right there at 25. But, uh, Man, that's a big eight. 13, 14-inch twos and threes Gee, and nine-inch uh, brows, a couple that's stickers and some junk mm. and stuff. But he's just a big, you know, just big, giant mainframe. I killed him Killed him in gun season. Um, killed him in the... Uh, with a bow? Yeah. Um, oh, man, that's been a while. That's, that's been, a big boy, man. Uh, that's been a long time, yeah. That's been a way long time ago, back in 2013, maybe, really? something like that, yeah. Ross, your 200-inchers, are they mainframe 10s, or what are they? My two 100-inchers? Yeah. No, you're, you're, <laughs> is that what I said? <laughs> Did I say two 100-inchers? 100 inches on each side. <laughs> so they're both, well, the one's mainframe 9, and the other one's mainframe 8. Yeah, he's mainframe 8. With his junk. But he's got junk everywhere. He's got two tines on the inside of his main beams, like passes twos between the threes, twos and threes. And they're both like 10 or 11 inches and just big mass on them. And they hook up just like a rack inside a rack. Oh, no shit. Yeah, he's, he's cool looking. But my biggest straight up eight, I guess, uh, would have been that flyer two buck that Austin filmed me shoot. Yeah, it's a beautiful um, buck. He, had, uh, he was mainframe 159 and some change. Oh, no kidding. And he's That's really a big deceiving. Boy, he's deceiving to look at on pictures and video, but you get your hands on him, he just keeps growing. He's, he's cool looking. Ross was talking about passing that deer that year. I'm like, if I am sitting in the stand with you and that deer walks by, we're not passing that deer. <laughs> I just couldn't age him, man. Yeah. Just do an executive order. To that, was a, that was a good call, Austin. Hey, we, we got this biker here to our left that's like we're, we're sitting here at the stop getting ready to turn, and I saw him look at the podcast trailer. And now he's pissed because I'm blocking his. <laughs> yeah, and then he looks at us. We all have headsets on. That's him. That's your big eight? 
Mm-hmm. That's a big boy, big brows. I wish we could video oh, yeah. this and show these pictures at Clint's show. That's awesome. I wish this light would turn green. The Geyer Buck is a mainframe 8, 191-inch mainframe yeah, 8. Yeah, that's dumb. Clint got to see him yesterday for the first time. So framey. My gosh. Framey is such a good word for that. I man. like that a lot. He's, uh, I mean, insane inside. Yeah, that's a big 8. I love big eights, man. Like oh, that's my favorite. It's such a classic look. I, I talked yeah. about it before. When I have that, I have that painting in my house. It's called the Great Eight. It's that big, clean eight pointer that's um, just walking through like a old log road. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's probably what made me ha- be lucky for big eights. So, but gotta love it, man. And big tens are a different story, you know. When you hit the big, big tens, it's you know you got deer that are touching the 60s, 70s, and and bigger mark more consistently with that typical frame helps having that uh fourth tying up for sure <laughs> right right and i've got i don't really have i mean i got a couple good tens that go that touch 150 but i don't have like a big big 10 pointer i don't i mean th- that is a big 10 pointer for me i'm not saying that it's not i was gonna but, say I, I would consider that a big 10. yeah it is a big 10 it is but i don't have a buck that's like i don't have a one high 60s 10 70s 10 um, you know, I, 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 I've got a seventy. I've got a seventy ten, but he's got a really short little three. Uh, yeah, three. Oh, really? Yeah, just just well, like the, a little nub to touch one seventy as a clean typical frame buck. You got to have big fours. Yeah, like you know what I mean. That's what'll give a lot of those deer away when you see a deer that's got like. Yeah, I'm sorry, I said three. It's a four. His oh. four's a little short, dick little thing. Yeah, that's what. <laughs> that's what'll cut hey, you short on leave a lot. Steve out of this. Yeah, Steve's not here. It's not nice to talk about him. Seventy-two <laughs> B is what you're looking for, Ross. Right, right on. Or in Des Moines. Steve my, sucks. I think my my biggest <laughs> typical my biggest typical ten mainframe deer was the second buck that I shot with a bow, and he was he grossed like one sixty seven. Yeah, and his big. his net typical score was one fifty five. But yeah, he. I mean that that was in two thousand, and I haven't killed a a bigger one than that since. It's hard to get up there and hit that one seventy typical. Mm-hmm. They yeah, it doesn't. They don't come around too often. No. Uh, my buddy Jason Enders, he's a Whitetail Properties agent. Back when I hunted Fulton County, Illinois, all the time, he killed a buck that netted 174. Um, with a, he shot with his bow, and that thing just typical ten, typical ten, five by five. Wow, damn! It is Ooh. beautiful. That's a, a whole another level there. It's a beautiful buck. I remember That's him. Like, I bet that frame is stupid. It's the most beautiful buck that you ever. I mean. The tines are thick on it. Yeah. Like, you know, that doesn't count for score, which sucks sometimes. But Makes them look so much bigger, though. Dude, yeah. heavy mass, like, good shape, heavy beams, big, long beams, tine. It's got every, It's got to have everything if you're netting 174, you know. Yeah, All-American whitetail. Yeah, yeah. It, is. it is. It's, you know, it's it's the buck that you would draw if you were going to draw a, a dream typical buck, you know. Yep. Um, it's like a hot girl with pretty feet. It's not, you know, it's not really going to do anything for you, but it just looks nice. It's just part of it. It's better to have. Yeah, it. it's better to have, yeah. You don't want her to peel her socks off and be like, oh, God, what do you got, what you got going on there? Eee. Yikes. Yikes. <laughs> little Blackfoot. Yeah, here. no good, no good. <laughs> hate to see it. You hate to see it. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'd love to kill a buck that's going to touch that set. What do we got to go straight now for 40 480 miles. Yeah, 480 miles. Good. We got 15 hours and 37 minutes. Oh, what's it say? Almost we're, there. We're on this for quite a while, then. Yep. Uh, no more turns or jukes or. 
should just merge back into 80 West here. I love everyone just listening to us. Right. Direct. Sorry, guys and girls. Um, children of all ages. Yeah, we got 1,059 miles left. If, oh. if we drove straight through, we'd get there at 1.26 a.m. Yeah, we're basically there. Yeah, we, it is easy. Yeah, yep, 131 miles for you got to worry about anything. Okay. Easy, easy. Unreal. Unreal. Um, we could take a, we could take a, add an hour to our trip and stop through and see the Buckstrom boys in South Dakota if we wanted. Mm. But they're not that cool, so <laughs> we won't do that. But anyway, yeah, I mean, what's your guys' dream? Clint, if you were going to kill your dream buck, I mean, you got. I think you just posted this question. Yes, I did. I yeah, did yeah, yeah. on mm-hmm. Facebook. You so know, describe your dream deer. Yeah. What would it be for you, Clint? You got one, but I consider a dream buck already, but. I mean, if I had to, honestly, I would love to kill a straight, like what we just talked about, just a straight, typical 5x5 five five or a 6x6 six six that's like up in that, you know, high 70s, low 80s. Just, I mean, yeah. I just think those deer look, you know, 200 plus as a typical. I mean, they're yeah. just, you know, just clean, giant. Um, I screwed up on one six years ago, hit him in the shoulder, just dead nuts drilled him in the shoulder uh, 37 yards I mean I could still tell you what color boxers I was wearing that day what I ate for <laughs> lunch haunts me to this day but that deer would have went uh, he would have went 180s as a straight 6x6 six six. No guaranteed wow. I'd, I'd, I'd bet my farm on it yep 100% yeah I mean I'd, that'll haunt me yep just uh, yeah man thought it, you know I don't know I just uh got too forward too far forward and just you know let her rip cut her loose shot felt great everything felt great i knew whenever it hit i mean i just i knew immediately what yeah. I, what it, what i had done and that's a bad feeling yeah that was not a good um yeah it was not a good uh, not a good day in the neighborhood not at all i think at some point everybody has those moments in the timber you just never you know you'll never forget them yep humbling that's for sure yep. I, I remember walking back to the truck that night and i mean I, it was yeah i was pretty much in tears Had i a was big like old apple in your throat oh man yeah i uh, uh that fucking sucks yep yep that was a bad one no doubt um yeah i had him dead to rights i mean just like i said nothing you know he didn't duck me he didn't i mean just feeding on acorns you know i mean just one of them deals it was where, a slam dunk and it just went yeah, yeah. I mean, thirty-seven yards. I mean, you know, I had buddies that are like, "Oh man, that's 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 still a long shot." I'm like, "Nah." I'm like, "There's no jokes aside." I'm like, "That's money." I, that's you know, I, in the backyard, that's a no. There's yeah, that's no brainer. I mean, I shouldn't have. There's no way that should shot should have got fucked up. I just, I think I rushed it a little bit as far as just a lot pin, of pressure, man. Just pin placement, and I mean, it shot broke good, felt good, but like I said, I knew. Uh, I knew when I saw it cut loose where it hit, I was just like, oh, no. Well, and, guys, uh, guys like us that spend as many hours in the timber as we do, when you get a 180-inch typical in front of you, you know what yep. you got standing there. I mean, that's oh, yeah. a deer you might see once a decade. You, yep. yeah. you just don't see him. It's well, easy that, to rush a shot or well, anything. That was, that was a turning point for me on animals. Um, that deer actually was a, a, a hard pill to swallow but that was a turning point in the in the, the mental game for me on my shooting as far as shooting yeah. at live animals and, and just forcing myself to live mature animals too yep. i think that needs to be added you know there. just forcing myself uh you know the next year i had a similar scenario with uh, extra my biggest buck you know at 191 i mean i drew on him and actually let down because i was just i had to get my shit together yeah and, there's a box blind right there yep but uh, yeah, no, I mean that was that you was a tough on that one. Buck and let down. Extra, yep, yep. Twenty-seven yards. I literally was. I did, I just I 
it was yeah opening night i just i literally was shaking so bad i was like you gotta you gotta pull it together i'm like you cannot rush this you gotta regroup yeah let down and uh got her back again and and smoked him you know made it 60 yards downhill and flopped over double lunged him but yeah if i would have rushed that first one younger me would have definitely not i wouldn't have let down yeah i'd have been like yep nope the limbs are bent back we're gonna send it yeah yeah. and uh from the previous year man it was it's funny it was i was in the same tree no kidding yep that's yep. awesome. Same tree. You're right in his little home turf. Yep. That's, same same tree. That goes back to one of those things where I say you had to be in certain situations to learn them. Oh yeah. Learn them. Like you know, yep. you can tell listeners about that. Like hey, like you you've been there. You've been mm-hmm. through that. You've a lot of it is you have to be through the agony mm-hmm. of a situation like that. Oh, to I had remember. the previous deer in my mind when I was getting ready to kill right. extra. I mean, like right. I knew in the back of my head, like okay. It's one year later, almost to the date, like, yeah. in plain words, don't fuck this up. Like, here's your opportunity. Here it is. You know, this right. is an even bigger deer. Like, this yeah. is this is it. You know, don't make this count. Don't have a repeat of last year. Well, that, that and it still is, even with experiencing a lot of that, sometimes a deer that's in the whole 90s will mm. make the guy that's been hunting for, mm-hmm. four, I mean, name how long, mm-hmm. make him forget a lot of shit he learned, and yep. then... It's just a different caliber of things, you know. We're not talking 130 inch deer here. We're talking pushing 200 inch deer. That's that'll test a man, anybody. Yeah. We get to see 150s, 160s run around every year, but yep. when you see that 180 inch typical in front of you, I mean, I, I've never seen a deer yeah, like yeah. that. It's that would it's be my, I think my dream type buck. I think it would be cool to kill a buck that's a like a giant six by six. Mm-hmm. Would be that's, really cool. That's what I would say is my. That's the deer I'm missing on my wall. I don't have a big, a really big typical, and I yeah. I just soon have a six by six as a five by five. I like seeing that picket yeah. fence. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Because yeah. I know when you see them, like if you're looking from like an angle like a forty five, you see six on one and six on the other and then crisscross you know, oh yeah that's a lot of times it's a lot of times <laughs> crazy it's a lot of love crazy especially i mean think you gotta have beams to have a big typical six mm-hmm. by six frame too and yep that's a specimen man they don't come around mm-hmm. you don't see them often it's hard to get that line of genetics floating around the farm you get it for us we got a bunch of nine pointers trying to get that nine point gene broke but i can't bitch too bad about it because showtime was a nine point so it just there's just nine pointers everywhere. Yeah, so, yeah. Once in a while, I mean, we get like tall, narrow, and once in a while we get some wide, wide bucks. But I don't know. It's kind of cool to see them all. Yeah, I mean, I'll never complain. Like, you know, I will shoot a big nine any day. You know what I mean? But yep. it's, uh, I mean, you know, they just like you just said. Once a decade, you might see a buck that's a typical one eighty. And if if that, I've been hunting. I haven't seen a buck that went 180s in the last 10 years. The typical, yeah, I, you know. You think about it though, how that wind back time from that 180 typical, and look at his whole life. How many other fawns were out there, same age as him, brothers, all other brothers from other mothers, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, more or less. One of the rare those, times that's like applicable for real. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but but to think about how many trials and tribulations he had to go through to make it to that point just makes it even better like that yeah between all the well, be all the odds yeah like yeah getting stuck in a fence or anything not only do you have to have those perfect genetics to put on a typical six by six frame which is a shot one in a million anyways then you got to get the age and right feed the and genetics yeah, and yeah. the, the right. hunting pressure can't be too yeah. great and everything all the chips have to fall into place to to 
connect with an animal of that caliber. Anything 170 or over, is, it's, I mean, I don't know if I'm stretching this word miracle, but it, it's like a miracle of a of an animal. Like, it's it's not a common thing. Anybody that doesn't even deer hunt can see a 170 buck and be like, whoa, whoa that's mm-hmm. a big buck. Yeah, like, it's, it's yeah, majestic. That's a big turning point. That's a top five specimen of the species for sure. When yeah, you hit I mean, 170 and up. I mean, there's, there's, yeah. I mean, you got to have like the genetic has to be there. He's got to have age. He's got to be healthy. It, it, there's just so many stars that have to align. He's got to have the right food, right feed. Yeah, and, but then you go to like the Iowa Deer Classic or Illinois Classic or whatever Illinois Deer and Beer, or whatever. You go there and then there's a pile of those deer. Mm-hmm. So then you're like, is it that rare? But it is, though. Yeah, I think you know? Iowa, Iowa and Illinois, well, and Ohio, I mean, yeah. we're right in the, we're, we're where we need to be to see those kind of deer. Yep. So. Yeah, for sure. And, and maybe it'd be different if we had highly, highly controlled farms where we could never touch the woods and manage and sit, you know what I mean? Like. Mm-hmm. But it's just that's not really it's not a reality. No, no. matter what listeners no. want to think about some of the deer we've killed, I mean, there's I'd say not, obviously if you're listening, you're a supporter, and you know you're gonna back us and support us. We appreciate the fuck out of you for that, and I would do the same for our listeners. But there's some haters out there that might say, well, Clint Casper only kills a 190 inch deer because he's got this highly groomed farm. Well, you think. You, you're going to sit there and tell me that Clint Casper doesn't know how to kill a big deer? You, you think he can't figure it out no matter where he goes? Like, someone's going to discredit the deer that Chandler's killed? Like, all right. We're all fighting neighbors. I mean, everybody's oh, yeah. everybody's got neighbors that are seeing the same deer that we are. It's yeah. just, a lot uh, of my private may as well be public. Because yep. if I don't have guys trespassing, I got guys running the fence lines. I got guys over, oh, you know, 20 yards away from me on the other side that's gra- <laughs> run, or grunting and rattling and bleating every five minutes. And, I mean, yeah. You got 800 cent wicks hanging from trees. I mean, yeah, I mean, there's spots that yeah. literally in November, spots close to some of my private that would be worse than maybe some of the public that's around. Right. You know, I mean, and I've got some pretty good public around that I get to hunt and go on. And I mean, there's actually some really good public not too far from me. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's there's literally sometimes I think less people on that than around the edges of some of my, you know, private yeah. farms and stuff and a lot of the farms i got small you know it's not yeah. like i've got five six hundred acre tracks i mean shit i got a handful of my best properties the biggest might be 140 acres right which is which is small in the grand scheme of things I well mean, that one piece i was telling you about where i killed that uh that eight that was 136 that had the kickers out the back of his mm-hmm. brows i shot that buck on 25 30 acres of timber yep and it, that's one of those pieces that in that timber, I mean, it's, there's a field there, right? But there's probably, I don't know, I bet you there's 20 guys that have permission to hunt there that got permission 20 years ago that still think <laughs> still, they have yep. fresh permission. Yep. Lifetime. Lifetime slip. Slip was signed in 94, and they can just hunt it forever now. Yeah, yeah. and I'm not going to, you know, the I'm, the owner is a great dude, and he's just an old, old school type guy and doesn't care, which is fine. You know, it's not my property. I can't control what happens, but mm-hmm. I killed that deer there. And then my dad killed a good one on another piece, not far. That was a, uh, 142 inch eight pointer. Um, and a fin- I, he, he literally shot that deer in a two acre patch of timber. Yep. And the following year we went back in there to hunt it because we had lost everything else. I was like, well, this is here and I'm going to hunt it. Dude, I I think during firearm season, there's eight trucks parked there mm-hmm. on 25, 30 acres of timber. Yeah. And I honestly, I, I've hunted it a couple times since, but since 
the owner said we were the first people to kill good bow bucks out of there in the last 25 years. The following year, I couldn't. It was like it wasn't even worth going in yep. because all those guys are like, "Oh man, Favorite, I heard rumor yeah. that they killed. Oh yeah, there's got to be another one in there." Well, once the word got out, yeah, and you know those small pieces. I mean, and I learned this years ago hunting with uh, my good buddy Adam Hayes because he's, I mean, made a living off of small pieces down around Columbus. I mean, that's where yeah. a lot of his two hundreds have come. You know, little small chunks. But cool thing about them small pieces, I think, is if that buck's in there, I mean. You got such a high percentage play of seeing him. You might not yeah. kill him, but I mean, if he moves on a twenty-acre piece and you're in there and you yeah. can get in there yep. and it's the right wind, the right conditions, like yeah. your that, odds are really freaking good versus a hundred-acre piece right. or a two hundred-acre piece. That buck doesn't have five different ridges to bet no, on. Your no. your odds is your odds of making nope. the right call are a hell of yep. a lot better yep. on a ten and or twenty. Well, you got to be piece. calculated. Oh yeah, yep. yeah. You, know, you better make your right oh, yeah. call when you make yep. your right call. Well, you, you know, be the right choice. I've hunted some of those spots, and I've been pinned down in a tree for an hour after dark waiting on deer to funnel by, walk by, because there is, you can't afford to blow them out of there, or yeah. then you're screwed the next couple days. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's a it's a very touch-and-go thing hunting small pieces, but right. the one pro is, yeah, I mean, you've got a hell of a chance. If that buck's in there, and you're in there, and you play your cards right, I mean, if he moves in daylight, you're right there, man. Like you're in the money. You know, it's just yeah. a matter of a few things going your way, and and you're gonna get to bend the limbs back, hopefully. But and that talk is... about talk about a letdown when you get in there and you think you got all the cards laying on the table just like it need to be. Yep. And then it doesn't happen, and you're like, oh yeah, shit. Now yep. I gotta now I gotta slip out of here and make a new plan for tomorrow. Yep. <laughs> for sure. But oh yeah, that's that's what makes it fun. Yep. That, that is the game. I guess moral of the story is it doesn't take a two or three hundred acre piece to to no. hold a big boy. It's just whoever wants to go after it and figure out that deer and find where he's at. You know, you put sometimes you put that trail camera on or do a little scouting mission on a smaller piece or a piece that you would think has neighbors around it that are going to mess you up. Sometimes it's worth that extra look. Yep, right for sure. Absolutely, and other people's fuck ups can pay off big for other. People, oh yeah, you know, yeah. Too. Yep, it's like you got to know how. I mean. Guys that are successful on whitetails are consistently successful on whitetails. I got to add that in because that changes things. Are kind of wired and calculated a little bit when the, in the moves. Like we're, mm-hmm. A lot of guys that kill big deer aren't just doing shit out of for no fucking reason. Like Mm-mm. it's calculated moves, right? And then those moves are you know compare those to what guys that hunt neighboring properties that bitch about what mm-hmm. deer you killed. Yep, they're doing different things. And they're kind of more patternable, mm-hmm. whereas, I don't know, you can kind of almost, like, work how you're going to hunt a property based off, like, mm-hmm. what the neighbors are doing. Yeah. Like It's not always a bad thing to have some neighbors next to you yep. nope. push those deer over onto you and let them get comfortable and, yep. and then make your move. And yeah. I, do you feel, so I did a pod, I did the fall podcast a couple of weeks ago, um, and we were talking about whitetail tactics, and the, they were asking some, I, I really enjoyed that podcast. I really like those guys. Um Aaron and all that, they do a great job. They do put um, out a nice podcast. When I had a, a lot of fun on that show, and then I was like, hey, why don't you just jump right on my show? And it was mm-hmm. like back-to-back we did, so it worked out great. But they were asking some like whitetail, asked me whitetail questions when I was on their show, and I felt like a lot of my answers get repetitive when I do those types of podcasts. Um, I still enjoy doing them, of course, but I, I just feel that I'll, I'll admit that like I, a lot of times I don't fucking know what's going to go on that season, and I, gotta, I figure it out on the fly every year. Which I guess I, I try to be as adaptable as I can and learn more. Because 
every year's a little different. Every deer's a little different. So it's kind of like that. I always say the guess and check theory. I, I feel like. Do you think a lot of guys are afraid to kind of admit that, or, and they want to just be like, "Nope, this is what I do." But I don't think that's fair to apply that mm. across all your. I think a lot of guys have a box. They don't like to leave the box. You know, right. well, I've done this for 10 years. It's worked five times. I'm going to continue to do that, even though that's the right. wrong move to make on this particular buck. Yeah. But that's what I've always done. That's what I know. I mean, I think a lot of people in general, in life, yeah. relationships, yeah. just in the world, they've got a box and they don't like to leave the box. Yeah. Like, that's yeah. just, this is what I know. This is what I'm going to do. Right. And they're not what you'd say, like, in, uh, in a very, very adaptive person. And I think... Yeah. Uh, I think I'm only adapt. I mean, I'm adaptive, but I think I'm most adaptive in my deer hunting because yep. it's the, the forefront of what I do. In I my mean, life. I think if you look at you know your super successful bow hunters in any realm, whether it's whitetails, turkeys, western, big game, whatever, the one key trait between all of them will be they can adapt on the fly and yeah. figure shit out. And I mean, I think. Well, do you? I mean, you let know. me ask you this then, uh, Clint. Do you think like some years? Okay, let's just use this year as an example or whatever year. Like next year, do you have a buck you for sure want to kill right now? Yeah. Okay, well, then fuck me then, huh? What, what about you, Austin? Well, like last year, no. <laughs> you know, like last year it was... Okay, because this year you know, I don't. Like, yep. I killed Creepy, and I killed that other 10. Those were mm-hmm. the two deer I knew about, and I knew yep. about Creepy from years prior, but that 10, I saw him early on and got mm-hmm. on him and killed him within mm-hmm. a few weeks. Yep. But like going into this year... Some of my properties are kind of in the air whether or not I'll have permission. Yep. I don't have a buck that I'm like, well, I have a pretty good idea what this one's doing. I got to just get in and figure out the fine details when I get in there. For me, I'm like, right now, I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to do. But I, I'm okay with that. I'm not freaking out. I don't have any sort of, like, anxiety over it. It's just it's, I'm kind of used to that. It's exciting, I think. I mean, I mean, I love hunting one specific buck, as do the rest of us four. I mean, right. we all fall into that it's trap. It's rare I get know. that opportunity, though, because I don't have the property that yeah. Yeah, hold them I, like that. You know, I love to hunt one specific buck, but I think it's fun when the pressure is off and it's just kind of a year of like, well, I'm just going to go and see what I can find, you know, and kind of just right. see what I can What's figure buck, out. Bro? That picture there is uh, my oh, buddy, no. my buddy just to the north on the other side of the ditch from me sent me that. He got that deer. He's been after him for a couple years. Oh, that's a nice And buck. we're hunting the same piece of ground, but it's just so big that that he's over on his side and look at that unicorn so i'm oh, wow. wondering if he didn't that we don't know cool. but anyways he's he's gonna be on the docket he's a potential yeah that's sure. a big boy man i don't yeah. want to say what i think he scores i don't want to blow up your spot but he's probably genetically related to your first unicorn i'm guessing but yeah, uh, big, big frame there's here. a couple of them out there though i mean that i i passed last year yeah got pictures of another one those are some cool pictures too he just got done breeding a doe and he's a man he's a mid 50 60 10 point straight yeah. up just awesome looking deer huh he's gonna be real good this year i hope so so that's the one you're you're kind of got on your in yeah i got i got two or three of them that i know are going to be floating around back there but yeah man backing up a little bit to the the deer what your dream deer to kill yeah it's so easy to for me i guess i i yes uh perfect straight up 170 180 would be would be awesome i just have a hard time getting past the deer that I've screwed up in the past, shouldered or yeah. blew a chance on that I thought. I mean, I'd already started picturing that deer on the wall <laughs> right. mm. before the shot goes off. Kegs were tapped, fireworks were going yeah, off before I mean, the arrow was even sent. Yeah, I've been there. I've done Austin, that. Austin filmed <laughs> me miss a 12-inch drop time. I yeah. wish in the worst freaking-ass <laughs> way that I had that back. Oh, that hurt. 
Oh, and God, that's yeah. got to sting a you little. You know, he's a 140-inch deer, but he had a huge club Big of a 12-inch hanging off 12 his. 12-inch club. Yeah, yeah. And, I, and the cool part about that deer, this kind of ties into everything we've said so, so far, but the cool thing about that deer is he lives, he always lives to the west of me, and I only ever get pictures of him late to late season when it is brutally cold Yeah, and we're getting close to the tail end. Mm-hmm. I get pictures of him. And these other guys have been getting pictures of him all year. And I had never seen him. And Austin and I sitting up in the coop. We we had got to see him from the road a few times. Yeah, Leaving yeah. your house at night, your hired man, seen him, what, once or twice? Yep. I got to see him once. He's feeding, you know, what was it, probably three-quarters of a mile from where yeah. we hunted him. So it's like there's probably a very slim chance in hell that that deer's ever going to come back here and hit this food plot. Yeah. But we're sitting up here because it's colder and balls, and, and we're in the coop. So, And he shows up, and it had been raining and, and freezing and... He, we, we walked in and he picked up our footsteps and got nervous and then we both mapped at him and I, I sent an arrow but we, uh, anyways, I ended up missing him but never saw that deer again and, uh, and you know, it, the neighbor ended up picking his sheds up and it was a 12 inch drop. No so, kidding. Yeah, that, I got pictures of that, of the video and everything. That's a fun video to watch if you want to throw up. <laughs> <laughs> Well, if you don't mind, I'd like to get that to put that up on the YouTube or something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah that, there's nothing worse than uh, it, the clean miss is all on film, huh? Oh yeah. I'll title it. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I was going to go somewhere dark with it, but I'm not going to do that. Yeah. Well, Ross, it, so Ross's it goes attempt to drop a drop time. <laughs> yeah. So it goes back to um, you know you got neighbors pressure and you got outfitters coming out of state guys coming in and, and pushing and and the pressure comes. Fuckers all from that, Chicago coming All that down. pressure falls off after the rut and you get into that cold. You know how I like to talk late season. Well, yeah, yeah. that's where if that buck makes it through, you start getting some roamers. You start getting these these bucks that you are in the outskirts might start visiting you if you got uh, the right food sitting there. And yeah, yeah. it's so damn cold that most other guys aren't going to be there. Yeah, so right, right. That's you got a good chance in the late season. Yeah, uh, Ross, you and uh, Clint are late season guys. I know, Austin, you've had a lot of success late season. The more I hunt, the more value I can see in keeping a, t- a tag in your pocket. You know, if you're yeah. Austin you're not- can't make it past November 5th before he's tagged out, though. <laughs> <laughs> That's not a bad thing. I'm too so, I'm too big of a fan of the rut, man. I, I wish I, like, I had that problem. <laughs> I, I, like ta- I like targeting a certain specific buck, but I just I love the rut too much. I see a big one running by me in the rut. I can't help it. It's a beautiful time of year. Well, one, it just feels good out. You just want to be out hunting at yeah. that time of year. I, lo- I love the rut, but I hate the rut. Yeah. 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 Playing the specific buck well, game that I'm usually playing. Yeah. Oh, my well, you God. You talk to any big whitetail killer, and that's kind of like that's the tone or the tune that yeah. they're whistling. Cause Just anxiety of where's he at, yeah. where could he be, where may he be. Yeah, I mean, that's true. I had that anxiety with Creepy, you know. I I didn't see Creepy until Black Friday. I hunted him. Oh, no kid. He came in. I Dude, he was he was off the map while. I, th- I honestly think he laid low. And, and He didn't have to go anywhere. He just walked into the bedroom yeah. and just laid down. I think when the year before I killed him, I never saw him once. Got a lot of trail cam pictures of him, um, but I think honestly he laid low in his little nook that he was in. I found his shed outside that nook, and then when I saw him Black Friday, you know, a, a week, a couple weeks after I shot my other ten, he's. I saw him come out of what what I would consider his little nook. I'm like, man, I wonder if he just laid low in there all the time. And I don't know. Probably. 
I know I, that he knew where your cameras were at and stayed away from them. <laughs> Probably. That's yeah, a good possibility. I mean, yeah. I mean, that's a thing. That's a debatable They could be topic. there the whole time, and you're just scratching your head thinking, where in the hell's he at? Yeah. Well, he was there. He just moves at night and stays away from your cameras. Yeah, he's on the backside of the tree. And, well, I mean, shit, Andre's told me one-on-one. I think he's probably mentioned it a little bit of the podcast uh, that he's seen Bucks see a camera and divert. Yep. Yeah. They'll go. They'll create a trail around that camera. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't think it's a good thing to leave a camera up in a spot like that because of those those reasons. Unless you're trying to, you got some backwards game plans and you're using trail cameras to, <laughs> to revert a deer into revert a different a direction. Deer in, yeah, that's a good plan. It's a, I mean, fuck. I'm sure Scare guys have all done the deer it. over to a different spot. I'm sure guys have done it and didn't know they did it. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yep. That type of thing. I don't know. Um, I don't know. I like this. This conversation's good. Just let it roll and see where it goes. Anything whitetails right is just so intriguing. There's so many so many layers to it and, and just directions you could go with it um i got some topics i'm thinking of now but i want to save them for another road trip podcast um i don't know i kind of want to close this one out because then we can uh regroup and we got a dry i imagine we'll do a few more of these on this trip and tons and tons and bear camp coming up here yep and uh, a good one well cool absolutely anybody want to shut her out the go shoot your bow or do you want me to just do it you want daddy to do it you want daddy to do it? <laughs> go ahead daddy <laughs> All right, guys, thanks for listening. Road Trip Podcast, thanks for sticking with us. You know what to do. We love you. Go shoot your bow. Peace. to go like just full-blown redneck on these fish this is like high-tech cane pole fishing right here from the white sandy beaches to the crystal blue waters enjoy the best fishing panama city beach has to offer during chasing the sun sundays at 9 30 a.m eastern on waypoint tv the destination for outdoor entertainment